0: that it is without error. It is from the Bible that we get our direction. It's from the Bible that we set our boundaries. The Bible is absolutely essential. It is, it is necessary if you're going to understand your true identity because the Bible is truth. And the struggle that we have with identity is is a struggle between what is true and what is lie. And so God's word is absolutely essential for that. Our lives, our lives ultimately are to bring glory to God. That's our ultimate purpose, to bring glory to God. And we fail, we cannot do that if we don't know our identity and beyond knowing it, live out our identity. Living out our identity in Christ means you abandon any image of yourself that's not from God, that's not from His Word. You stop accepting what others have said about you, how others have labeled you, how others have defined you. You start believing what God says about you. You get it? That's the key to knowing your true identity and living out your true identity. You're not defined by your feelings. God's word is fact. It's truth. And it's true whether or not you feel like it. You're not defined by opinions of others or your circumstances. You're not defined by successes or Failures. You're not defined by the car you drive, the money you make, the degrees you've earned. You're defined by God and God alone. And we learn and understand our identity in Christ through the truth of God's Word. 35 times in the New Testament, we are told about our identity in Christ. We are given examples of our identity in Christ In 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 9 and 10, which we read a little bit earlier, but I do want to read again, we see five characteristics of the the identity a believer has in Christ, of who you are. This is who you are. This is truth. This battle between truth and untruth, truth and lie. We put our faith, we put our trust, we put our belief, we put our knowledge in God's Word which is truth. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, But now you have received mercy. Our identity in Christ, we know that our identity in Christ tells us that we are accepted. We know that we are accepted regardless of what the world says. We know that we're accepted because before God did anything else, he looked down through the annals of time and he chose for himself a people. He accepted you. He called you. He chose you. You're accepted. And you have great value. God values you. Regardless of what the world says, regardless of what they say at the office, regardless of what they say at school, regardless of what they say on the athletic field, you have great, great value. You know that you're valuable because God adopted you into his family. You're a child of God. God is your father. You know that you're valuable because Jesus died for you. God, the son, died for you. Our identity is we're accepted and we're valuable and we are eternally, forever loved. God's love for you is an unconditional love. This is hard for us to accept because the reality is, is there's not a person in this room who, who, who is eternally, unconditionally loved. Maybe you've experienced unconditional love for moments in time. But we are incapable of loving unconditionally because we're all fallen. Because we're human. Because we've all sinned. But God truly loves you. Get this. God truly loves you unconditionally it is not a love that says I'll love you if I'll love you if you act right I'll love you if you do good things I'll love you if you take care of the poor it's not a love that says I love you because I love you because you're good-looking I love you because you have a great work ethic. I, I love you because of your character. I love you because, I love you because. That's not the way God loves. God just says, I love you. I love you unconditionally. I'm going to love you no matter what. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, an eternal love. It's an unfailing love, it says in Jeremiah 31. It's a consistent love. It's not fickle. It's not predictable. God loves you no matter what. We talk a lot about that around here. I I hope that that's a a truth that that you can embrace, that you can make a part of who you are. It's foundational to, to being who God wants you to be. It's foundational to understanding how we relate to him. God can't love you more or less than he does right now. Psalm 100 and verse 5 His love lasts forever. And whether you go through times in your life when you don't feel loved, you can know that you are eternally, unconditionally, unconditionally loved by God. It's our identity. Accepted, valuable, loved, and our identity is that we are forgiven. Isaiah 43 and verse 25, it tells us that it's God's nature to forgive. God is a forgiving God. Well, yeah, Dale, He's a forgiving God in the New Testament. No, He's always been a forgiving God. He's a forgiving God in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 43, Here's what God says. I am the God who forgives your sins and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sin against you. You're my chosen people. You're accepted and valuable. And I will forgive you and I will forgive you completely. God doesn't forgive the way we do. We forgive and kind of take that forgiveness and we set it in a box and we put a top on it and we put a bow on it and we set it in the closet in case maybe later we might need it. Later on, this person sins against you again or does something that upsets you and we, we go and we get that box and we take the bow off and we take the top off and we dredge up the past and we remind others of what they have done before. That's not the way God forgives. God forgives. He forgives, and then he promises to never hold our sins against us again. Now listen, you heard it before, right? I want to say to you, when you really get this, when you understand this, when you embrace this, when you make this a part of who you are, your identity, you're going to flip out. It's going to freak you out. God forgives, and he'll never hold that sin against you again. So quit going through a difficult time and saying, well, God must be getting me for that thing I did wrong. Because that's not the way God acts. That's not the way God does. He forgives you completely. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Jesus' blood sets us free. For by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. And then he adds how great is the grace of God. You can know that you're forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ. It always comes back to the cross, doesn't it? I mean, we know we're accepted because of the cross. We know we have value because of the cross. We know we're loved because of the cross. I mean, you can't stand at the foot of the cross and not have a, a, a clear understanding of your identity, of your acceptance, of your value, that you're, that you're loved that you're forgiven, it always comes back to the cross. You're completely accepted. You're extremely valuable. You're eternally loved. You were totally forgiven. And you are capable. Very, very important. The Bible says, First Peter 2, we just read this. You're a royal priesthood. The version that that Ira read earlier, it, it, it simply says this. You are a priest. That's your identity. Did you know that? Had you heard that before? You'd heard that you're accepted. You'd heard that you have value. You'd heard that you're loved. you heard that you're forgiven. Had you ever heard before that you are a priest? That's your identity. You're a priest. Well, what does a priest do? What does that mean to me? Well, a priest represents God to people, and he represents people to God. A priest represents God to people, and you are fully capable of doing that. Tell me, I'm a little confused. I still don't understand. What do you mean? Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. You are to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that through faith in Jesus they will have their sins forgiven and receive their place among God's chosen people. You are capable of turning someone from darkness to light, from unacceptance to acceptance. You are ministers. Folks, the pastors can't do it all. The deacons and and elders and staff and life group leaders, they can't do it all. When we leave this place, we walk out into a mission field. And you're a minister in the mission field. A priest. One who guides people to the loving arms of Jesus. You say, I can't do that. Your identity's been stolen. God makes you capable. It's part of who you are. I can't, but I can't do that. I, I, I don't know enough. I, you don't know about my life. You, you don't know about my experiences. I, I, I just, I can't do that. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe God You're going to believe what other people say? You're going to believe yourself? Or are you going to believe God? You are capable of being a minister in your home, at the office, on the golf course, to your friends, to your family, to your classmates, to your co workers. You are capable of being a minister because Jesus lives inside of you. You know Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now think about that. This is your identity. This is who you are. So you think right now in this moment, your greatest fear, what's your greatest fear? You can do that. Because Christ lives in you. You can forgive others. You can love others. You can care for others. You can share your faith with others. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. This is new verses to me. I read these this past week. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. I'm going to memorize these verses. Incredible, incredible truth. Here's what it says. The capacity we have comes from God. It is he who made us competent or capable of serving the new covenant. The capacity we have comes from God. He made us capable. He made us competent to serve the new covenant. What is the new covenant? The new covenant is this. I gave him my sin. He gave me his righteousness. The new covenant is I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. He has made me capable. You think, I I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't make a difference in someone's life. I can't share my faith with someone. I can't forgive that person. I, I can't love that person. I can't, I can't be a servant. I, I, I just can't. And I want to tell you, the reason why you're absolutely convinced that you can't do those things is because you're playing those old tapes back in your mind. You're playing those old memories. You're going back to when you heard someone say to you, you're not good enough and you can't be loved. And you'll never be accepted. You don't do anything right. You're just not going to amount to anything. It's lies. Your identity has been stolen. If you sit here this morning and I tell you, you can love, you can forgive, you can share your faith, you can serve other people. You can involve yourselves. You can take people. You can direct people from darkness into light, from death to life. You can do that. You can do that. You're capable. God has made you competent. And you say to yourself, You don't understand. You don't know me. I don't even want to do that. You you just don't understand. Then here's what I want to say to you Your identity has been stolen, you don't know your true identity. And so, just goofing off really this past week, I start Googling and searching the internet. And I wind up on the website of the Federal Trade Commission, because that's the federal agency that's in charge of identity theft. Because I, I, I wanted to know, what, what do they say we should do when our identity has been stolen? And there's a lot of information on that website. But it came down to five things, five steps. You need to do these five things. Your identity has been stolen. I want to give them to you. Number one, detect, realize that your identity has been stolen. (laughs) Duh. That's where the government starts. Detect, realize that your identity has been stolen. Number two, alert anyone who can help minimize the damage. Alert the authorities, alert the banks, alert the credit card companies, alert anyone who can help minim- minim- minimize the damage. Number three, close any accounts that have been compromised or created on a false basis. If anybody has created an account in your name, you need to go, and you need to make sure that that account has been closed. Number four, take control of your identity. Change the things you can, your your passwords and and your protections and, and those kind of things. Number five, stay alert. Protect yourself because it can happen again. Those are the five steps that the FTC gives you the gospel according to the Federal Trade Commission. I look at those things, and I'm telling you, it's not a stretch at all. I didn't have to give it a whole bunch of more thought to see there's a lot of spiritual application here in these five things. Number one, you got to realize when your identity is stolen, you're here this morning. Do you even know that your identity has been stolen? Do you know your identity in Christ? you got to realize when your identity has been stolen. Number two, alert anyone who can help minimize the damage. You know what you need to do? You need to pray. You need to talk to God. You need to alert them that your identity has been stolen. You need to pray. You need to alert God. You need to tell him that you recognize, that you acknowledge. You need to talk to him, and you need to say, God, I don't even know who I am. My identity has been stolen. The divorce stole my identity. That rape stole my identity. Getting fired stole my identity. Drugs have stolen my identity. Peer pressure has stolen my identity. My boyfriend stole my identity. What those people said about me stole my identity. Satan has stolen my identity. You need to pray. Number three, close accounts. There's are some areas of your life you probably ought to just shut down. There are times when you're acting like somebody that you're really not. Not. You act different with people at the office or at school than you act with your life group. You're different with some of your friends than you are with the people at church. And listen, you need to quit being a phony. You need to be who you really are. There's some relationships in your life that you just need to shut down. Listen, if you're hanging out with friends that are your friends because you act a certain way, those aren't really your friends. You need to decide who you're going to be. You should say, I'm going to be about pleasing God and not people. There's some accounts that need to be shut down. Number four, take control of your identity. Take control of your identity. Change the things that you can. What can you change? You can change what you allow in your mind. Don't allow the lies in your mind. They'll be suggested to you. The media will suggest it. The culture will suggest it. Friends will suggest it. Satan will suggest it. But don't allow that trash, those lies, in your mind. Fill your mind with the truth from God's Word. Number five, stay alert. Protect yourself. It can happen again. Listen to me, folks. When Satan comes to you, you if you understand your identity, you understand that, that, that you're accepted and, and that you have value and that you're loved and and, and that you're forgiven and, and that you're made competent and you're made capable. And Satan comes to you and he says, you're going to have to do certain things if God is going to accept you. Then you say to him, you're a liar. Satan, you're a liar. I am, I'm totally accepted. I'm completely accepted. God chose me. I am accepted. Go to hell, Satan. Satan, he's the only one you can tell to go to hell. God made hell for him. He comes to you. And he tells you that trash, that, those lies. Then you tell him, that's a lie. And he comes to you and he says, You're, you're, you're not worth much. You, you really have no value. You say, You're a liar, Satan. Jesus died for me. I have great value. Who will ever love you? Nobody's going to love you. Satan, you're a liar. I am eternally loved. I am unconditionally loved. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, what you've done. You're a liar, Satan. Get thee behind me. Satan says to you, you can't, you can't do it. The preacher tells you you ought to love people, and forgive people, and serve people, and share your faith with people, and tell people about God, and point people to God. <laughs> you, you know you can't do that. You say, Satan, you're a liar. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're a liar. That's your identity, folks. You are accepted. You do have value. You are loved. You're forgiven. You're capable. You're competent. Walk in this. Know it and walk in it. Walk in it. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. How should it affect your life? How should it affect the way you live? How should it affect what you do? Well, you know what God says? God wants you to treat other people the way he's treated you. God wants you to accept other people the way he's accepted you. God wants you to accept other people. Accepting is not approving. That's different. Accepting is not agreeing with. That's different but we can accept others. God doesn't approve of everything you do. God God certainly doesn't approve of everything I do, but I am accepted, totally accepted by him. He wants you to value others, show respect to others. Even those in the other political party. That's impossible. That's a lie from Satan. You can. You don't have to agree respect and value. He wants you to love others. He wants you to forgive others. He wants you to treat others with respect and and credibility. And listen, when we find that difficult to do, when we find that's hard, it's hard to accept, it's because, listen, it's because we don't feel accepted. And when we don't feel accepted, we're living a lie. We're believing a lie. When it's hard to value others, it's because we don't feel valued. When it's hard to love others, it's because we don't feel loved. When it's hard to forgive, it's because we don't feel forgiven. We don't understand our identity. When you know and live out your true identity, it's easier. It even becomes a natural outflow to treat others the way God has treated you. Do you begin to get the sense of the importance of understanding who you are in Christ? We should preach this and teach this every single week until we get it. Every week until we get it. Preaching, when are you going to stop preaching about that? When are you going to stop preaching about that? When we get it. This is who I am in Christ. You're accepted, you have value, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're capable, that is who you are in Christ. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I want to thank you that you are a God that can heal broken hearts and bitter memories and damaged self-esteem. Thank you that those old tapes, those old patterns can be erased and reversed. Thank you, Father, God, that you can turn nobodies into somebody's. Jesus, I ask that these precious people that I love so much will begin to see themselves through your eyes of love. In your heart, I would ask you to pray this prayer. Just pray this in your heart. Would you do that for me, dear God? Help me to see myself the way you see me. Thank you for loving me, sending Jesus to die for me so that I could be forgiven. Jesus, today I accept your love and your forgiveness. Help me to trust you. Help me to care more about what you think of me than what others think. Jesus, may your truth set me free. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I want you to say out loud with me, just say this, these words after me, if you would. Out loud, right where you sit. Because of Jesus, I am completely accepted. I am extremely valuable I am eternally loved I am completely forgiven I am fully capable amen I want you to watch this one minute and 30 second video if you would